Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out. It's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a croupier, and I love films. As Alice Walker once said, In nature, nothing is perfect and everything is perfect. Like the John Huston film Annie, nothing is perfect and everything is perfect. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Sharon Stone, Kevin Smith, James Acaster, and even Ked Pambles. But this week, it's the incredible Terry Hatcher. Big announcement today. I'll be doing a live films to be buried with live in human life with real with a real human human humanoid guest at Cavendish Square for the Underbelly Festival on Saturday the 3rd of July at 5 p.m. You can get your tickets at the underbellyfestival.com website or Plosive Productions. I mean Google it, you'll find it. We would love to see you there. I will be I mean imagine actual people together in a room. It's a tent, a spiegel tent. Scary? Who knows? Come and find out. It'll be fun. Probably. Why not? Get your tickets. Films to be buried with live, 3rd of July, 5 o'clock p.m. See you there, hopefully. And if you can't be there, you know, that's fine too. Have a lovely life. All right. Anyway, back to the show. Get over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you'll get an extra 25 minutes with Terry, where we chat about openings and closings. You get a secret. You get the whole episode uncut and ad free and as a video. Check it out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. Your two TV missions, have you not accepted them yet, are to watch season one of Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus and season one of Soulmates on Amazon Prime. One makes you happy, the other makes you question your entire relationships. So, you know Terry Hatcher, incredible. She's Lois Lane, she's a desperate housewife, she's a great British bake-off legend, she's a hero. We recorded this on Zoom a few weeks ago. There was a little sound issue for about the first 10 minutes, there was a problem with our headphones. Don't panic. Bear with it. It does get better. After about 10 minutes, we changed something up and it all worked. We talked about van therapy. We talked about ayahuasca. We talked about shamans. We talked all sorts of stuff. You are going to love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 147 of Films to be Buried With. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is I, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a hero, a legend, a chef, a desperate housewife, a 
QI contestant, a panel show legend in Britain, and frankly, let's call it what it is, the one and only Lois Lane, and I will not hear any other contenders. Please welcome to the show, the brilliant, the amazing, the wonderful, it's Terry Hatcher! Thank you so much. I'm going to just record that on my phone and that's going to be my my alarm in the morning. I mean, I just listen to all those nice things about myself every day. Well, QI panelist is obviously your biggest achievement. Oh, for sure. Those kinds of things, actually, I find them so fun and terrifying because obviously you're there with all these brilliant comedians and all you can think is, oh God, please let me try to remotely keep up with these people. Um, please let me say one funny thing. All, all I know is that you were excellent and that every comedian I know that, that was on that or knows you, all are, everyone's like, she's amazing, I'm in love with her. Oh my God, she's amazing. <laughs> everyone was so excited. That's really sweet. Can I tell you this that's funny or not? I'm going to tell you because it was funny to me. So we have a mutual friend who is Ainsley B. Ainsley O.B. Yes. And, uh, and Love her. we went, Love I went to a show. It was in, I was in Los Angeles and I went to a show with her. We went to see a show and we walked in and I wasn't, there was no plan. All I knew was Ainsley was going to be there. It was just me and Ainsley and maybe a couple of friends. And we walk in. She suddenly like, oh, I need to go to the toilet. She says, um, oh, my friend's about to arrive. Tell her you'll look after her until I get back. And I go, yeah, but who's your, who's your friend? And she goes, it's Terry Hatcher. And I go, what? What, Lois Lane? And then she's gone. And then I see you walk in and I'm, and I'm a huge fan. And I'm like, fuck, because I'm thinking you're going to get approached by 100 people. I'm just another guy coming up to you. Excuse me. Uh, sorry, I'm... I'm here to, could, could I look after you? Do you know what I mean? I was thinking, this is this is going to go very badly. And so I sort of hovered around you for a bit like, uh, sorry, do you, uh, trying to think what's the best way to get in without looking creepy. And probably standing around you for too long didn't help. Anyway, turned out you were lovely. And that very night, within mm, an hour or so, you told me something that was so profound that I think about it, I'd say, nearly every day. And since then, I've, I've decided that you're you're my Buddha. And here we are. I've basically uh, asked you to do this podcast so I can get more life advice. Oh, okay. Well, I, I, I will give it to you. I think that's a funny thing. Like, I mean, I have this vintage VW van, which I love, and I drive around and I sometimes talk to strangers in it. <laughs> Speaking of being creepy. Um, what? Go and, on. And I, no, and I call it van therapy. And I sometimes I film it and sometimes I don't film it. And I'm I'm sort of considering doing it in a little bit bigger of a way. Wow. But just getting to advice, it is crazy that I do think of myself as a person that somehow with my friends and in my group and as a mother has always been able to give pretty solid advice, but like not necessarily with myself. Like somehow yeah. I'm I'm just now learning to get better with my own brain <laughs> mm, yeah but we did have I was so uh open with you that night yeah. that we spoke should we tell people about what we talked about I mean I would love I would love you I would love you too but obviously it's up it's up to you but yeah bear in mind this was the first time we'd met and, and it was but go and for it. I think I must have just and for the record once you yeah how we how we got in, you'd just been to the doctor, that's right. 
Right. It must have been on my mind because I don't normally go around telling people about my private parts in the first 15 minutes of meeting them. Yeah. And for the listener, I would just like to clarify. I didn't open with, hey, uh, Ainsley's told me to look after you. How's your vagina? That was not my opening line you brought no you didn't but you did say you did say hey uh is wanting me to look after you and i said can i tell you about my vagina yes and i (laughs) and i said this is gonna be a great night (laughs) right as one would um no but you really it was kind of amazing because i think we were at this little cocktail thing afterwards and i really don't remember why it came up but I did start telling you about, I was beginning to date someone, I mm-hmm. think, and it had been a long time since I'd had sex. So I kind of really wanted to make sure that it was all sort of still working. Like, yeah. who knows? I mean, it's easier, I guess, for guys to know daily, on a daily <laughs> basis than it is for girls yeah. to know. And so I went to the doctor and I really you know, you change as you age as a woman. And because I hadn't been having sex, I really was, really didn't know, insecure, curious, all of those words. Like, is it all still working? I mean, does it work? And Mm -hmm. I did say this thing, like to the time, I was like, basically, would a guy have a good time in there? (laughs) And he said to me, he said to me, Terry, you have, a totally average vagina <laughs> and then the <laughs> jokes they just write themselves you know um, which is what you encouraged me to do and that was yes. I, I mean at the time I didn't even think I was aware of how brilliant of a writer you were god bless you and you really encouraged me to write this story and sort of write a stand-up routine or a or a monologue yeah, I- or whatever you want to call it and so I did. That was kind of the beginning of me sort of taking some ownership in a comedic way of my storytelling about myself. Yeah, so we, we talked about, we, I, I said you should do a show called Average Hoo-Ha, and you have subsequently done this, right? You've done a version of it to, yeah, in it front of people. Long, it, it took me a long time, but I wrote about, I wrote a pretty tight six minutes, which I was very proud of. It's much harder to do than you think. Tight. I know. I got the word tight yeah, in there. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying no, but anything. I got it in. And you know, every, <laughs> your audience can do with the adjectives what they want. Right. Um, and uh, uh, anyways, but it was like 15 minutes, and I did it in front of a, a, a at a charity thing in front of an audience of like 500, and they really laughed a lot. They really enjoyed it, and it's addictive. You know, I, I've always liked working in front of a live audience and uh, it's addictive, but it's also terrifying and I'm not very practiced at it. So it's a new, it's a new avenue for me that I totally credit you with. Well, I'm very grateful and I'll, I'll, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. I, 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 all I ask is that I'm sort of putting it here as a deadline. What, in one year's time, I want the hour special Terry Hatcher average who are on Netflix. Wow. Okay, I'm gonna write that down. Let's see. So, okay. what is that? That's like May. Let's just let's just give let's me a couple May. extra weeks. You, May first. May first, 2022. Yeah. Um, okay. Wow. I'm putting it out to the universe. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. It's a goal. Okay. <laughs> Terry. Yes. Oh no. Oh, oh no. I've oh, forgotten to tell you something. Oh. 
no, it is bad. Actually, it is quite bad. Oh, I can hear it in your voice. Yeah, and just when you had such big, big dreams as well. <laughs> Dream. I'm not oh. going to make it to May 22. <laughs> How do I say this? I should have said it earlier. Uh, should have I could, or at least emailed you in advance. Ah, oh, just have to say it. Uh, I don't. How would they do this on QI? I suppose. I just. I've got to catch it in a way you'd be used to. Uh, death. Death comes to us all. That is a a fact. And mm. you've died. You're you're dead. Oh, I had a feeling that's where yeah. we were going. I'm so sorry. How did you die? Well. It's interesting. I have been working with this shaman healer guy on Please the tell fear me everything death. about this. Yeah. Well, I I I searched it, seeked it. I'm gonna I'm gonna sort get my pen sought it out, sought <laughs> it out. You know, coming out of a of a couple of not such great months of I would call it COVID depression, quarantine depression, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a friend of mine had seen this person and had some success so it wasn't really a thing that I was against but it probably wasn't a thing that I would have really gone and aggressively done but I was pretty at the bottom I think and and needed some help and a friend of mine recommended this guy and I mean it's just been amazing working with him it's kind of turned into sort of a life coachy kind of thing which I always sort of fantasized that it would be great to have somebody like that in my life. Hmm. Um, but I never really knew who the right person was going to be. And then it turns out that for now it's this guy, but we were working, we were doing this big meditation on just recently. Are you, can I, sorry, can I ask, are you, are you meeting him in person or are you doing this on zoom? How, how is it working? Um, with, at first, well, cause it's recently. So, hmm you know, things have sort of started to open up a bit anyway, but the first session was outside six feet apart in my yard. And then the second session, which now I've been vaccinated. And okay. so I, I'm, I'm not being careless, but I'm, I, I feel a little bit safer. So it, the, the second session was inside in my living room. Um, and then the other stuff has been on the phone or like FaceTime. But so this last session we really were working on sort of the fear of death and, you know, without going just so long that we have a second podcast. Like this will be like a multiple episode. That's fine. This is, this is why I'm here. But he was offering to me the idea that a lot of, you know, a lot of the, the reason that, that people, the fears that we have are all based in the fear of death. And Mm without getting too far into the weeds about my feelings about religion or everything else, we did this thing where this meditation and I had this eye covering on my eye and I was laying down like with my, you know, chest up and my arms out and there was like music and, and, and sound bath kind of stuff. And then there was like the speaker. Um, mm. It wasn't him, it was somebody else, you know, talking about, beliefs and and origins and energy and death and I started to tell myself while I was laying there I went from being relaxed to I convinced myself that he was actually a serial killer and that he was standing over me with a knife and he was about to stab me in the heart and that was the way I was going to die was in my living room 
with a shaman who turned out to be a serial killer that I just let kill me because I had an eye mask on and I didn't know what he was doing. And it was so interesting. And I was truly afraid. Like I convinced myself this is true. But then the other side of me was like, this is ridiculous. You know who this person is. He's vetted by these other people. What are you doing to yourself? And it just made me recognize how often I, and I think many people, make up stories of hardship and fear that we put in front of ourselves that make our lives harder than it needs to be. Mm. And so this was an example of me not having trust in the flow of where things were going, that I had to put this scary story in front of me, but I really worked very hard to not take the eye mask off and see where he was in the room, to let myself go beyond that, and, w- and I kept asking myself, okay, well, what would be wrong with him just stabbing me to death right now? Like, what, what, what would be wrong with it? Okay, I'd be dead. I don't want to be dead. Why don't you want to be dead? I don't want to be dead because I don't feel like I'm done. I want to live more. Um, and why do you want to live more? Well, I, and the first thing that comes up for me is my daughter. I love my daughters. Right. I, I, oh, wait, can you still hear me? Yeah, I can hear you better actually now. I don't know oh. if I just did, but it's better. Oh, okay. I think my I think these AirPods went out, and I think now I'm on my computer with you. So is it's, that okay? It's it's even better, I think. Oh, let's let's okay. just stick with this. Okay. So I'm I'm picturing like my daughter. I don't want to miss my daughter. And then I just started thinking, okay, well, what would be so wrong with that? Everyone dies. Everyone is gonna die. And I got myself to a place where I realized that the energy and the love that I have for my daughter, which is so intense, I just realized that it's not going to end with death. It's not the end. It's not, I don't know where the energy goes. I just feel more and more strongly that it doesn't just disappear. And I kind of had this acceptance about, okay, I'm going to die. And that is what it is. And then what it makes you do when you accept it is it just reverts you right back to, so I really better live fully every day. Mm. And you're more focused on living, I'm here to live, than I'm here to die. I'm not here to go down my path towards death. I'm here to live every day. And so like that's sort of where I'm trying to approach life from, which makes me less afraid of death which makes me less afraid of your podcast. (laughs) Think about how I die. I think I'm going to die. I mean, I hope that I die peacefully, but knowing I hope that I die with a kiss to death, not a moment before it's supposed to happen. A kiss to death, not not, um, kissed to death. No, no, but like I welcome it, but not a moment before it's supposed to happen. And I think that's supposed to happen when I'm older, after mm-hmm. I've spent a good amount of time playing with my grandchildren, who I don't yeah. have yet. And, you know, I think about all the things I enjoy in life. I want to be able to hike up mountains. I want to be able to walk the beach. I want to be able to laugh with my friends. I want to be able mm-hmm. to taste great food. I want to be able to have gratitude for 
sunsets and birds and nature. And I think when I'm not capable of doing one of those or any of those things, it's time for me to go. How old, how old do you think that is? At what age? Late 90s, I'm thinking. Late 90s. 98, should we say? Sure. Let's go with 98. I like eights. They're good numbers. Me too. But the way you die is um, being stabbed to death in the chest by a shaman. No, that's the way I get over my fear of dying okay. is by imagining being stabbed to death by a shaman. No, I, I, I think um, I say goodnight to everybody that I love and then I, I drift away into my sleep and then my energy becomes something that is still here anyway. So then I start haunting people. <laughs> Sleep and I love this. What a lovely death! So you you died in your sleep. That's very nice. And what do you think happens after death? Do you have a new theory? I had this ayahuasca experience. Um, Please tell me everything. Okay, so I've only done it once, and it was recently. Meaning it was the November before COVID started. So that would have been November of twenty nineteen. Yeah. Yeah. And I'd always been curious about it. Who did you do it with? I I did it with a shaman and like 20 other people on this three-day weekend. And I finally decided to choose this particular person because a girlfriend of mine who I've known my whole life, who's very big into this stuff, she's probably done ayahuasca 50 times and she's gone to South America and, you know, everything. I felt like if she said this is a person you could trust, I probably could. And that was how... I got myself to this weekend and I was about, I think I was about to turn 55 and that felt numerically very significant to me. And I just thought, you know, if there's a time for a rebirth or that I want to experience this, I might as well do it now. And it kind of presented itself to me in an easy way. So I thought this is supposed to happen. And it was a three day weekend, meaning you do ayahuasca Friday night, Saturday night, and on Sunday. So you do three experiences of it. It's a lot of like cleansing in advance. And I really tried to approach it in the way you should. And you journal about your intentions. You get your mind and your body very ready to have the experience. So the first Friday night that we did it, you know, I think I thought it was going to be fun. Like, I think you think it's going to be like drinking or I've never done mushrooms or those other kinds of ecstasy. I've never done anything like that. So, but I imagined it would be fun and it wasn't fun. Um, The first night I started to have the effect of it and it made me so sick. And I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I thought I was going to die. And all I could think was if I live through this, I'm going to pack my shit and get the fuck out of here. Like, I am not doing this another night. This is insane. These people are crazy. This is horrible. I don't know what everyone was talking about, whatever. That was where I was. So by the time I came out of it, it was like, you know, two in the morning or something, you know, kind of calmed down, came off of the, I'm going to get out of here thing. And they wanted us to be in silence for the whole Saturday. and so no one spoke and I just journaled the whole Saturday and I really wanted to go into it with a better, now I understood like, Oh, okay, this is what it is. This Mm. is how you get there. And so I really approached it. Like, I don't like to fly. Flying scares me a lot, but I still fly because I love traveling and I love 
getting to new places, um, curious and adventurous. And so I journaled about, okay, this is what it's going to be. I'm going to take the stuff, the medicine, it's going to make me uncomfortable, but I don't have to resist it. I don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to die. I'm going to get to somewhere that I want to go. So I just have to relax and let it happen and it will be okay. Which in in general, that little thing I just said in parentheses, I feel like is a great way to mindfully attack your life. You know, like, I really like the sentiment of that. And anyway, so as I started to go deeper into it, it did get uncomfortable, but I really, I mean, I had journaled for eight hours about what my intention was of this process. And that's what I did. I stayed with it. I didn't resist it. I kept telling myself I was going to be okay. And finally, I opened up into this world of energy is what I saw. It was very mathematical. It was very perfect, um, unison, but there was color. It was very matrixy, I think, in a way. Mm. Although that that word didn't come to me when I was in it. But I did feel like, oh, welcome back, Terry. Like, I knew this place. I'd been there before. But I felt very clearly that it was that it was very different to take that energy that we come from and put it in this human body with this human mind that makes these human thoughts. Mm-hmm. That that was almost unnatural. That this is a specific journey. Our energy getting to be human as opposed to being a tree or a bird or a leopard. Like we get this opportunity to have our senses and our you know, touch and smell and taste and, and emotions, but that can also be challenging, but it's a certain journey. It was beautiful. It it gave me a sense of knowing that I had never had before. And it was very calming and very beautiful. I do try to hang on to it because it, it, it felt very grounding to me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. When you came sort of down or however you describe it, when you came out of it, did you, when you were in it, did it, was that, was it, you were just existing in this energy space and then you came back to your human form like, oh, right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was there and I was very aware, like I can't move around very quickly or, or this might all just disappear. Like I really am curious to like look at this world, but mostly it was a sense of, knowing it was this sense of like oh there's this place that i came from and that i'll go back to and that's what we all do it was also a really clear sense that there's no right or wrong that Mm. there's no benefit to being a really great human or a really bad human like there's no there's no punishment reward that really it just is your life is what you want to make of it and there you have it Every day is a, is a new day and you can do with it what you want. And when I get mindful, I, as I'm speaking mm-hmm. to you, I'm like, yeah, that's where I want to live my life from. It's very easy for the world to come in and mm-hmm. distract you from that path. And it gets very noisy and you know very complicated. But when I can come back to that quiet place and just know that each day 
is your opportunity to make it what you want. And, you know, we all should spend much less time punishing and judging ourselves and each other than we do. It's, it's uh, such a waste of time, waste of energy. So, yeah. I love this. Was, was there a, th- you said it was a three-day thing. Did you take it again on the third day? I did. And that was the, 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 only, on that the only daytime one. Okay. The others were nighttime. What happened on that one was that I danced like I was a fucking prima ballerina. Like, really? like I kind of went off. It was in this beautiful big space. And, and so people were all kind of in some of the time we were doing dancing together. I mean, not together, like partners, but like in a circle yeah. or chanting, there was music, but then I just felt compelled to kind of go outside and be dancing around. And I, I, it was beautiful. I love this so much. I mean, I do want to hear more about this. I mean, this is, this is exactly the sort of stuff I want to be hearing about. Ah, but it was, you know, it was the surprise to me was that it was work. It, yeah. it, it was, which I guess shouldn't be a surprise because, you know, when you think about mindfulness and the, the choice and responsibility and how you want to live and what you want to think and where you want your energy. Mm. I mean, maybe work is the wrong word, but it takes focus. It takes practice to behave and think the way you want to. It is work. It, well, it is work and it is a choice. And it is, uh, I, I have talked about this, but maybe only once on this podcast before. But to bring it to films, the, the film Groundhog Day, I read, a, ah. I, read a, I read a book by the writer of Groundhog Day, sort of in hindsight, it was about years later, him sort of reflecting on it and kind of admitting like, this was an amazing film that I wrote that I don't quite, I don't, he, he was sort of like, I don't think I realised how special it was when I wrote it, you know, it kind of came to me and, and, and in hindsight, he's looking back at it and he says, what Groundhog Day is, the reason he thinks it's profound, if he's allowed to say that, and I think he is, is that, yeah, is that Groundhog Day, the, the stuff that happens every single day in, in Groundhog Day is exactly the same. It's set up exactly the same every single day. And what happens to Bill Murray is entirely dependent on Bill Murray's attitude to that day. It's totally. all choices so when he has a really good day it's because he makes it a good day and when he has mm-hmm. a bad day he has a bad day but the day is the same the, the circumstances mm-hmm. are exactly the same the people he meets the the things that happen in that day nothing changes mm-hmm. all that changes is how he treats the day and I think that's it it is work it is a choice you go you can choose to see everything negatively you can choose to see everything positively however you do and sometimes you have to retrain yourself to Mm-hmm. not see everything as negative yeah i love that movie i've not read that book but that movie is definitely on my list here <gasps> um and i agree it is a very it's a perfect example of that which i believe is the truth and i do think uh, my, i was talking to my daughter about this yesterday who's she's 23 and i think she is uh, as a as a product of her upbringing a person who thinks that the world is going to be okay, that things Mm. are going to be okay, that it is going to work out. And I, based on my upbringing, am absolutely not that person. Like the nature of me is a person that thinks things will not be okay. And, and in a sad way, it's because many, many things in my upbringing 
Hmm. where life was not okay. So the experience for me is that I have to even, God, I feel so old to be working on this now. Like I wish I had figured this out when I was 30, but at least I'm figuring it out now that I recognize that about myself, that the nature of me is probably to not think things are going to be okay. Hmm. And I would like that to change. So I'm, I'm working every day to be a person who believes that things will be okay. Amazing. <laughs> uh, excellent work, Terry Hatcher. Uh, well, here's the thing. Your, your world of energy is correct. Uh, but within this world of energy, there's a little stopgap called heaven. Well, you go to heaven for a bit and have a nice time. Okay. Okay. And you are more than welcome in heaven. And as you said, right or wrong doesn't matter. You could have you could have been a serial killer. I'm still going to let you in. You've done enough. Uh, you, uh, you I did that, not kill anyone. You and that shaman went on a killing spree together, and uh, <laughs> just for kicks when you realised there was no morality. It okay. <laughs> just to try it, and you were like, actually, it's quite fun. So you did it loads. Oh um, God. <laughs> anyway, you got into heaven. And um, there's all your favorite things there, you know, like, uh, what's your favorite thing? You love cooking? Cooking. I do love cooking. Yes, there's... I love cooking. I love the beach. I love water. So the, basically, the heaven is made up of a giant kitchen with endless ingredients on a beach with your feet in the water. Okay. That's not I bad. Like that is not bad. That is right. not bad. But also in this place, they've also got massive cinemas and they're obsessed with film and they want to know about your life through the medium of film. And the first thing they ask you is, what is the first film that you remember seeing, Terry Hatcher? Oh, my God. I'm sorry. I'm looking out my window of my office. There is the most beautiful bird in the tree right now. (gasps) That's a sign. Oh, my God. It has an orange head. Yes. And a yellow body, it's like a a conure or something. It totally should not be in my tree. Wait, wait, wait. Take I'm it, sorry. I have to, I, I'm going to take Are you ascending? Push. You're ascending. Oh, God. Oh, my 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 God. There's like three of them. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Wait, I'm so sorry. This is so unprofessional. But you're not going to believe this bird. Okay. You, I, I'm taking you... a picture. I'm going to send it to you later. <gasps> okay. I have a little waterfall in my back. Okay, this is insane. See, I'm just thinking the universe is bringing me so many good things. I just, okay, all right. So questions, first okay. first movie, first movie. First so movie. I am I'm sure this is not the first movie that I ever saw. I have trouble with memories from my childhood, probably because of the trauma in my life. But mm-hmm. I very much remember standing in line for two hours with my dad to see the first star Wars when it came out and we were in San Jose, California and San Jose had, which is not the city I lived in. I lived in the city, like maybe 20 minutes from there, but San Jose had at the time, these big cinedome, like a cinerama dome, like, uh, and so it was the premier kind of theater. And my dad at the time was, was pretty critical of me Uh, you know, just a critical guy, but I was a daddy pleaser, you know, like I Mm -hmm. did, I liked to try to do things that I knew he enjoyed. And he was a big, um, 
Like he was the first person to get laser discs and the first person to, you know, have surround sound in like he cared about those things. Even still, he has a movie room in his house and he has a collection of like the thousand movies you should see before you die or whatever. He's very, very into it. So he was very excited to see Star Wars when it came out. And I just remember we stood in line for like two hours to get in because it was before you could buy tickets you know what i mean like back and and, um i really remember the black at the beginning the 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 words that come that yeah yeah, like yeah like i remember being in this theater and just you'd never seen anything like that before and yeah it was pretty amazing how old were you do you you remember how old you were how old i'm thinking i was maybe 11 and do you do you have siblings do you have siblings no i'm an only child no i'm an only child yeah. So it's just you yeah. and your dad. That's very sweet. Yeah. Did, did did he love it, the film? He did love it. He did love it. Yeah. I think we went back and stood in line more times to see uh, it again. <laughs> that's really nice. And do you remember thinking, oh, I want I want in on this. I want to be an actor in this stuff like this? No. Falling into acting was I mean, that's a whole other thing. I, I was a dancer, you know, uh, when okay. I was young, like I danced, um, went to dance school my whole life. Yeah, the acting thing really kind of came about a little bit later. And also I sort of fell into it through the dancing entrance. Okay. So, yeah, no. Through a trap door. Yeah, my parents were in the tech business. Like, I didn't know anybody who was in Hollywood or anything. Like, mm-hmm. it just wasn't it didn't, wouldn't occur to me that I could be an actress. I just, it was so far away that I would never have looked at something and gone, oh, that'd be cool to do that. I, yeah. Okay. So Star Wars is a hack. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Give a start. What was the <laughs> what's the film that made you cry the most? Are you a crier? I am a crier. I am definitely a crier. But I like it. I like it, although my eyes don't like it. When I cry really? a lot, <laughs> it, yeah, they just puff up. Oh my gosh, I look horrible. Um, <laughs> it's funny. The the most specific memory I have of just crying uncontrollably actually was reading a book. It was reading the book of Bridges of Madison County, like where you're like, <laughs> you know, and just and just snot and two boxes of tissue, <laughs> you know, sitting in a rocking chair <laughs> like that. Uh, so that's when I, the insane amount of crying, but a marriage story. Oh, wow. um, I love that. I actually had to, I had that 
on a screener because I get the screeners for voting, mm-hmm. I had to stop the movie. I, I yeah. kind of had like a nervous breakdown. I, and I was, it was sort of that uncontrollable. I think anybody that's been through a difficult divorce mm. might have reacted that way. It just brought up so much relatable pain of what it's like to go through a divorce like that. And thank God um, my ex-husband and, and I are, I mean, he was actually just over with his wife for brunch yesterday. Oh, wow. um, so uh, now that we're all vaccinated, we can have six people That's in nice. a room for brunch. So we're over that, but getting through a divorce like that was, I, was really relatable. So that was crazy amount of crying. I actually had to turn it off and, and have a nervous breakdown and then go back. So you did finish it. I did finish it. No, great movie. I mean, great, great, great performances. Difficult subject. The other time I remember crying a lot also involved my husband, funny enough, with complete opposite. The first date my husband and I took, my ex-husband and I took after having our child was probably when she was maybe six weeks old. So that's Mm -hmm. a really big deal um, to leave the baby. But we thought, okay, we're going to leave the baby and we're going to go have a romantic night. And we're going to have dinner. We're going to see a movie. So we went to Man's Chinese Theater in Hollywood yeah. and we saw Titanic. And we're in the movie <laughs> and it's towards the end of the movie. And, mm-hmm. you know, everyone's drowning and whatever. And I'm sobbing in the theater. And I make it to the end of the movie and we leave. And I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe that this is our first date that is not entertainment that that is torture i don't want to see movies like that is torture i leave my baby at home to be you know that yeah so i remember that you're right it is torture it's three hours of it it should be called torture you're absolutely right that's a great shout now, one movie that I cry a lot at, but I watch all the time, anticipating the cry, because it's a good cry, is Terms of Endearment. Yeah, um, that's a great film. Yeah, and I, I have a lot of lines in movies that I, that I kind of remember almost like, like a dance move, like the rhythm of them. And, and that movie has one, which is the, give my daughter the shot. Like, uh, I just... I mean, that moment is everything. This is all very good. Do you like being scared? What is the film that scared you the most? I like mysteries. I like puzzle solving. Mm -hmm. I really have figured out that I do not like, okay, it's hard for me to even say this. This is how much I don't like it. And I know that it's an incredible movie to a lot of people, but, and I've gotten better about it, but even my daughter knows this. People like to say lines from this movie. You'll know what I'm talking about. And someone will start to say the line of dialogue that's famous from this movie. And I'm like, don't do it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Like even the name of this movie. I don't like to hear people say the name of this movie. Uh, Very, very, very famous. Almost Oscar worthy. Do you want to give me clues? Is it The the Exorcist? (laughs) No. Okay, I will give you. Is Is it recent? How recent is it? Oh, um, well, it did have, I'll give you the clue that it had some sequels. The original, the Oscar winning one, not winning, I don't think winning, but I think worthy Mm -hmm. uh, version of it was probably uh, 20 years ago. 
15, 17 years ago, 20, 20 years ago, maybe longer, 25 years ago. Is it the sixth sense? No, no, much worse than that. But I mean, not worse in terms of quality of filmmaking. I mean, the scary, scary factor. Is it The Shining? No, that's a good, that's a kind of a movie that I, a scary movie that I could tolerate. That might it, be one of my favorite scary movies. Is the Sixth it, Sense, again, also I like. The Omen? No, not The Omen. Also okay, could gonna... tolerate The Omen. So the defining factor between the kind of scary movie I can tolerate yeah. and enjoy and the kind of scary movie I can't tolerate and don't even want anyone to talk about is the human factor. So I'm okay with the uh, spiritual... Devil. Oh, are you talking about like Silence of the Lambs? Oh God, don't say it. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Sorry, sorry. Yes, that's the one. That's okay, the one. that makes but perfect sense. But don't okay. say it. So, so, so that and like a movie like Saw, like the oh, yeah, that no, genre, mm-hmm. uh, even when they're well done, I really can't. I can't even talk about it. Like, but The Shining. Uh, what was the the recent one the the quiet place the quiet place yeah really good yeah you know so those kinds of movies i i are i like being scared like that you don't like horrible people doing horrible things to other people i don't that's what it I is get that. yeah yeah that's you don't mind ghosts and the devil right you just don't like right. evil evil human stuff right i don't like I evil think, human stuff. i i think that's totally fair and i i get yeah. that so the film yeah. that, that shall not be named, that would be your answer? Yes, the film that okay. shall not be named. Nor okay. any of the famous lines of dialogue from it. <laughs> yeah, that's a tricky one because people love saying lines for that. And I am not uh-huh. going to out of D- Thank you so much. <laughs> Seeing um, as it's early here in Los Angeles, yeah. thank you for not setting my day off See, like it's that. See, <laughs> it's all choices. It's all choices. Choose the light. What is the film that people don't like? It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it. You don't care what anyone says. Everyone else is a dickhead if they don't like this film. Uh, okay, well, well, I sort of have a movie that I wrote down here because I knew this was a question, but I don't want to say it because I don't think it's bad. And I don't know if other people thought it was bad. Well, let's hear it and we'll, 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 I'll let you know. Okay. Yeah. Because I think it was brilliant. <laughs> yeah, it might be. We're the Millers. We're the Millers is brilliant. Brilliant, right? Yeah, but did, brilliant. did people was that did people think that was brilliant when it came out? I'm not sure they did. I think it was a very well received film. I do, okay. I, I don't know that people were like this is the this is fucking brilliant, but it right. is fucking brilliant. But see, You're I right. think it is fucking brilliant. Yeah, like I and I think you think maybe it's not fucking brilliant, but then you go back and you watch it and you go like this is a fucking brilliant. That's it what I mean. So brilliant. that's that's really I guess good that's answer. What, that was as good as I could do. And you know what? It is good. You're right. Because one of the reasons people don't go, it's fucking brilliant, is because comedies never get called fucking brilliant. Totally and uh, And it also is the sort of film that looks easy and looks... Or silly. Yeah, and if you watch the trailer, you might go, yeah, yeah, I, I know that film. But it's much more sophisticated and, and clever and funny than... Yeah, good, really good choice. Okay. What's the film that you used to love? You loved it, but you've watched it recently and you've gone, ah, nuts. I don't like this anymore. For whatever reason, it might just be a feeling. Well, I'll, I'll tell you some that I thought maybe would, like not for your mm-hmm. podcast, but like, you know, over the last six months, 
like I go back and revisit these thinking like, oh, I wonder if that still holds up. So, and these all did hold up. Okay. A Fish Called Wanda. Great. uh, Best in Show, Waiting for Guffman. Great. Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Great. Network, Ratatouille. Like, these are kind of older movies that I was like, that's still a great movie. I still love that movie. Um, Defending Your Life. Love that movie. Tootsie, love that movie. Um, Groundhog Day. Um, So I love animated movies. And well, my top animated movie, this is pretty, pretty, (laughs) pretty self-serving, but I was in it. (laughs) Oh, that's Um, amazing. Coraline. I just love that movie. I fucking love Coraline. And I love the work that I did in it. I think it might be some of my best work I've ever done. And I wasn't even on film. It's such a good film. Did you know that was me? I don't think I did know that was you. And I love that film. Genuinely love that film. I'm all the mothers in that movie. I'm all the mom voices in that movie. Now it makes total sense. Of course that's you. It's a really good Um, film, that. Yeah, I I love that. But I love, um, I will rewatch Tangled over and over. I will rewatch Hercules. Uh, I will rewatch Ratatouille. But I tried to rewatch The Little Mermaid. And Uh, I think the original Little Mermaid. Yeah. It it somehow with rare animation. See, I love the Aristocats. That's mm-hmm. as old as it gets, and and Lady and the Tramp, and somehow those still work for me. But something about the Little Mermaid, I I it didn't. Well, is it the fact that? And I say this as someone who loves the Little Mermaid but has not revisited it. Is it the fact that as a, a, a the story is. It's about a woman who is basically told, shut up if you want to get your man. Shut up. Whatever you mm-hmm. do, don't don't let him hear your fucking voice or you'll never get this prince. And the prince is like, yeah, she's amazing. I like this quiet one who don't say anything. Is that the issue? And then and it isn't and it isn't like at the end she goes, oh, I had loads to say. And he goes, oh, great. That isn't how it ends. <laughs> No, it doesn't. No. So I, you know, I don't know. It was just overall, it didn't feel as compelling to me as I kind of remembered it being. Like I wouldn't keep going back to it. Well, that is totally fair. Terry Hatcher, as I live and breathe. Terry Hatcher, what is the film that means the most to you? Not necessarily the film is good, but because the experience you had around seeing the film that will always make it special to you. You know, this is, is, is sort of a, a funny, it's funny. I, I might not even really remember this unless you asked me that. But as a mom, there are some defining moments of separation, like healthy separation, where you, you part of good parenting is to be mindful of when you have to let your child go and not, keep trying to smother them. And mm-hmm. part of that was, a, I remember allowing my daughter separately from me, like with her friends, but I was still there, but not with her to see Zombieland. Uh-huh. And it was a really big deal. Like you've yeah. earned this. You know, and also the other one that was very similar in in sort of similar timing was The Hangover, because it was part of saying, like, 
I recognize that you are old enough to appreciate this humor and be able to tolerate this violence and mm. be able to compute these images in your mind in a healthy way, not a bad way. So there's something about that time frame and those movies that make me feel connected to a, a special time in my daughter's age and what where we were like as mother and daughter at that time. You probably don't get that answer a lot. <laughs> no, that's a really, really good answer. And I have to ask you a follow-up question, which is the, the moment where you go to your daughter, you go and watch Zombieland with your friends and, and I don't have to kind of, you know, and you're, you're over there. Mm-hmm. Is that heartbreaking or is it lovely or is it it's, both? It's, it's both. It's right. both. And I think, I think it continues to be like now she lives in her own apartment with her boyfriend. And I think that is always a balance of, I'm so happy that she's so happy and thriving and healthy. And yes, I have to go get my own fucking life now because I can't, you know, like, yeah. like, and, and, but it's, it's when you look at it and you go, this is as it should be. I think it's a trap. I think for parents to feel like they should put their life aside to just concentrate on the child's life completely because I think that there is some benefit for a child in seeing you continue to grow, continue to be independent, continue to have your own passions because in some unconscious way, it tells them that they also have value as an independent person. So like, you know, being disconnected is actually kind of a healthy thing, I think, but it's painful. It's complicated. It's painful. Yeah. Letting go is, is painful. You know, what is that? You, you, you have to let something go to see if it comes back to you, whatever that cliche mm. is. It, it is true. You do, you have to let go of your attachments and one of them is going to also be your children. Bloody hell. riddle me this teriyacha from that to um this very important question what's the sexiest film you've ever seen (laughs) teriyacha oh my god i i really had trouble with this i don't i i i know that when i'm seeing movies i Mm. i can recall having the feeling like oh my god this is sexy i feel turned on by this or whatever but i don't for some reason, they're not the movies I revisit, you know, like where I watch Tootsie or I watch Elf. Every Christmas, I watch Elf seven times while I'm building my Christmas town. <laughs> I wish town your answer was Elf. I wish that was yeah, Elf. Elf. <laughs> not very sexy, Elf. Um, when he's shoving spaghetti in his mouth with maple syrup <laughs> pouring everywhere, that is hot. Um, that is hot. Actually, it is kind of hot. Um, mm. But... I think the defining thing of some of the movies that I think are sexy, and I, I think it's when the characters find themselves in situations where they're conflicted about their desires and their behaviors. So it's not like, um, like Brokeback Mountain. It's right. not my judgment of being gay. I don't have any judgment of that. But within the movie, those characters are struggling between their desires and their acceptance. Mm. And I think, I mean, this probably makes me kind of 
twisted um that there's something erotic about that struggle with struggle with i guess yeah. yeah like when i think about uh, like atonement those mm. characters are struggling with what is appropriate acceptable behavior between yeah. the two of them and there's like a sneaky sort of we can't let other people know about this i think i think when that is present between the characters in the movie that is sexy yeah like age of innocence yeah right like but i don't really remember it until i go back and look at it and i go oh yeah that's like it's not something i carry with me and go like geez i need to be turned on what movie should i turn you know i don't that's i don't so have funny. that yeah it's only weeks later you go fucking hell i was really hot during Brokeback mountain <laughs> <laughs> I, I really didn't acknowledge you at the time there's a subcategory to this quest this question terry and i'm going to ask it the subcategory is uh troubling boners worrying why dons a film you found Wait, what, arousing. What? <laughs> Don't make me what? repeat it. Yes, I am. <laughs> Troubling boners, worrying widons. A film you found arousing, but you weren't sure you were meant to. Oh well, I think I already answered that, haven't I? Like I feel. I think I, they both. I, the, the, your 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 answer fits both criteria. I think actually. it kind of does. I mean, it, you know, if I said something like Jungle Book, that would be weird. You know, like would it? <laughs> Yeah, would it? Would it? <laughs> um, Ratatouille. Could, yeah, that okay. would be weird too. Yeah, I think okay. I think I already answered it, and I'm not sure I have any more specifics than those two movies. I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, Terry Hatcher, what is objectively, not necessarily your favorite, but objectively the greatest film of all time? Objectively, the pinnacle <sighs> of cinema. It's such an overwhelming question because I think I'm not qualified enough to know that. I feel like I've seen a lot of movies, but I don't necessarily remember seeing all the movies. Like I mm -hmm. recently rewatched Network and Faye Dunaway is just insane in that. I mean, just yeah. insane. But but I saw that movie the first time 30 years ago and I didn't really remember seeing it. And so it was like seeing it for the first time. So I think some of these really classic, classic, great movies, I sort of forget. So a movie that I think is really great that I do rewatch at least once a year. So that's probably why I would put it maybe not the best. I, I don't know what would be better. It's hard for me to pick the best. That's also yeah. like not, I'm not really a person that's a favorite person. Like I, I have a hard time yeah. just really committing to that one thing. For the record, this podcast is a nightmare. I couldn't do it. I couldn't be a guest <laughs> on here. I, I appreciate all of this. It, it's a nightmare question. Because if Please you we did the it. podcast tomorrow, I might yeah. say something different, you know. So, but I'm going to go with because today is today. I'm going to yeah. go with as good as it gets. Interesting. Because I love the performances. I love the message. I love the journey of growth. I, I really do. I feel good when I watch it. I, I definitely tend to be a person that 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 errs to the comedic side. You know, if you were the movies mm -hmm. I watch over and over, you know, are the like I said, the elf, you know, de defending your life, Tootsie, the Devil Wars Prada, like that, uh, you know, Julia and Julia, like yeah. that zone of really great actors, but in comedic tone 
those things make my heart happy. They make, you know, sometimes I'll just put them on while I'm cooking dinner because I live alone. I'm single. So I always like to have the noise of Mm. people that I know in quote unquote in the background, you know, and that that's my go-to, but as good as it gets, I, I also love the title. I just, I mean, I love the, the theory of like that, the question, like Mm. it's question with acceptance. You question is this as good as it gets, but also accepting, like, if this is as good as it gets, how can I enjoy it? You know, like, I think it's just yeah. good. It's good for me. There's a, I will tell you this, and I will give him a plug for it. There's a podcast, I don't know if you've ever heard it, with Pete Holmes called You Made It Weird. And he had uh, James L. Brooks on it as a guest. And ah. he was amazing. And they talk about as good as it gets. And it's so fascinating how kind of some of it made up as it went along, like like the ending in particular was almost improvised and they were trying yeah. stuff. And I think he he says he shouted from behind the camera, just kiss her, man. And and like that wasn't it wasn't meant to end like that. And it, you know, all stuff uh, interesting. Anyway, yeah. what is the film that you could or have watched the most over and over again? And have you also just answered this? Oh, I'm, I mean, I might have. It's probably Elf because, but because um, Christmas Christmas is a really big deal in our house. Um, I do this giant Christmas town on our piano. I build gingerbread houses. I decorate the tree. Like it's a lot of hours of extravaganza of Christmas. Mm. And I usually just um, rerun Elf. Sometimes I'll throw Love Actually in there a couple of times. Maybe what's the other one with Emma Emma Stone and Ryan Reynolds and um uh, oh Steve, uh, Steve Carell yeah. dirty dirty pretty th- no what's it called dirty naughty sexy dirty love dirty naughty love love <laughs> crazy sexy love crazy sexy stupid crazy stupid crazy love. stupid love crazy stupid love yeah that <laughs> gets thrown in there maybe a one of Home Alone the original Home Alone and then mm-hmm. circulates right back to Elf I don't know Elf kind yeah, of answers really all good. for me. It really does. (laughs) It's really good, Elf. We don't like to be negative, you and I. But what's the worst film you've ever seen? Yeah, it's funny that you don't like hang on to it. Plus, I wouldn't even want to say it out loud. Like if I if I actually knew what that was, I Mm. mean, I'm sure I probably have been in some. (laughs) No. (laughs) (laughs) It's really taken you somewhere. I don't know. What's a really bad movie? I, I, I guess I don't think of it. I don't think of things like that. I don't hang on to my, yeah. I mean, I, I, maybe it would be, well, this was a pretty bad movie. I think people will agree with me, but I actually had a, one of the best times of my life watching it mm-hmm. was Cats. Excellent answer. We, I went to the theater to one of these cool Alamo theaters. Uh, we have mm-hmm. this. Have you ever been to the Alamo theater? No, but so I'd love to. Oh, uh, there's one downtown. I mean, I hope it made it through COVID. I actually don't know, but you can get uh, food and alcohol, and it's just a fun experience. So we we actually um, took some edibles. This is why I think we had a good time. We <laughs> took some edibles, and then we went right. to the Alamo, and I mean. Everyone thought it was terrible, but I just was like, I just had the best time. Like, 
I wasn't laughing out loud, like ruining yeah. the the vibe of the theater, but like inside, I just was just having a, a the most best trip ever. It was great, but <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty. I think that was a pretty bad movie. I, yeah. I just I feel bad saying it because yes, I've been in bad movies. I don't know, you know, the kind of people that listen to this podcast if they're curious, if they're in in mm. the industry, or if they're not and they're curious, but you know nobody sets out to make a bad movie. It's just not, there are plenty of bad movies. As I said, I'm sure I've been in them, but nobody sets out to do that. And so I feel it's a lot of people who work equally hard on the bad movie. Like it, and I, so I feel bad saddling it with, with calling it, Oh, that's the worst movie I've ever seen. And also you had a fucking great time. So I did have a great time. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, have you? Yeah, I I completely agree on that. I always think about to, Tom Hanks when Tom Hanks was on Inside the Actors Studio. He was going through all his films and he missed out Turner and Hooch. And Tom Hanks said, "Why are you missing out Turner and Hooch?" And he was like, "Oh, I don't remember. I'm misquoting it, but basically he was like, oh, yeah. you know, I I only wanted to talk about the successes or whatever.' And Tom Hanks was like, "I worked so hard on that film. Like we, he said, I worked as hard on Turner and Hooch as I did on Big. Like." The intent was the same, and I thought that was so interesting. I was like, "Yeah," and also Turner yeah. and Hooch is really good. So shut up. <laughs> so shut I- up. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's yeah. So that that's the truth. I think you work equally as hard. Yeah, it's a lot of factors that go into why it it's works and why it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, Terry Hatcher, you're now a professional comedian with a tight six minute set. What <laughs> is what is what is the film that made you laugh the most i mean we've talked about a lot of comedies god it's so the the whole favorite thing is so hard for me i mean because it could be something ridiculous like this is the end like i mean that's a great film hard but it could also be arthur the original arthur with dudley moore good film too this is the end is fucking great it's funny this is the end laugh a lot terry hatcher you have been magnificent, as expected. You've been absolutely wonderful. However, when you reached the age of 98, after you'd been on a quite lengthy killing spree with a shaman once you discovered there was no right and wrong, <laughs> and after all that murdering, you got away with it as well. It was brilliant. Uh, you settled down and you were with your grandkids and you kissed everyone goodbye and you told them all you loved them. Uh, and the reason was there was a list of things you wanted to be able to do and if you couldn't do one of them you'd you'd stop and uh, it was uh, going up a mountain and you were like I can't get up a mountain anymore forget it and so you went to bed and uh, you fell asleep and while you were asleep the shaman came in and (laughs) killed you (laughs) but you didn't notice because you were asleep as far as you're concerned you died peacefully in your sleep but the it was in fact (laughs) the shaman not that peaceful shaman uh stabbed you to death in your sleep but it was fairly quick and uh you went straight over to the other side anyway i came looking for you you know what i'm like walking about i was like where's terry i ain't seen her in a bit i keep seeing those wanted posters of her but i haven't seen her around and uh i pop over to your grandkids house i said you seen yeah you seen your nan where is she and they go, oh, she went to bed. She, she was, it was quite weird how she said goodnight to us all. There was something quite final about it. But I think she just went up to bed. And I go up to bed. There's, oh, my God, I find you in your bed. Absolutely 
an absolute mess, carnage, awful. It's really traumatic, actually. I wish I hadn't seen it, but here I am with a coffin. <laughs> I've got you. Ah. It's, it's a mess. You congealed a lot. Anyway, I've, I have to chop you up. There's bits everywhere. I pack everything in the coffin as much as I can. There's much more stuff here. I've picked up bits of pillows, everything, right? It's all in the coffin. The coffin is absolutely rammed full. There's only enough room in this coffin for me to slip one DVD into the side with you for you to take across to the other side. And when you get there, it's movie night every night and one night is your movie night. What film are you taking to show the people of heaven when it is your movie night? Terry Hatcher. Okay. With confidence? Believe it or not. It's a crazy choice, but I'm going to pick Defending Your Life because we're going to be up there in heaven and we're going to be talking about how we all faced our fears and we conquered our fears and we lived good lives right up to the very end. And now we're all together eating as much as we want and never (laughs) gaining weight and playing golf and just having fun and falling in love. And it's going to be wonderful. So that's the movie I'm bringing. Oh, what a choice. Everyone is going to love you there. Despite your many, many, many horrific crimes, they're going to love you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Terry Hatcher, is there anything before we say goodbye, that you would like to tell people to look out for, to listen to, to watch. I would firstly want, me personally, I'm going looking for therapy, man. Is there other things you want people to watch or no, listen No, no, not, not really. No, nothing to plug. Just wanting okay. people to, you know, be kind to themselves and kind to each other. That is lovely. And, and please be kind to yourself and kind to each other. Uh, Terry Hatcher, you are a pure joy. Thank you for your time. Good night. Thank you. <laughs> so that was episode 147. Head over to patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra 25 minutes of chat, secrets and video with Terry. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. It's a lovely thing to read. I do read them. It does help the numbers. And it means Maureen can keep drinking her craft beer or whatever she's into this week. Thank you so much to Terry for doing the show. Remember to get your tickets for the live show. If you can, if you can come, that'll be fun, won't it? Probably. I mean, you'd think so. You'd hope so. I mean, if you come in, you'd be like well annoyed if it wasn't, I guess. Thanks to Scroobius Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to ACAST for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come join me next week for another incredible, incredible guest. I mean, you thought, I mean, next week's an absolute banger. So that is it for now. In the meantime, have a lovely week and please be excellent to each other. Sometimes I dream of becoming an actor. Have you ever dreamt of becoming an actor?
Maureen, what is it you think I'd do for a living? Never mind, sounds like you need the New York Film Academy. NIFA offers workshops, BFA and MFA degrees and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, journalism and more, online and on campuses across the globe. To make films alongside industry professionals, explore more at nyfa.edu. Thanks, Brett. Thank you, Maureen. Maureen, your Canva presentation looks brilliant. Thanks, Brett. That's because I used AI-powered Canva presentations. I just described what I wanted and Canva presentations generated the perfect slides. You can even make a talking presentation for people to watch on their own time. Check this out. Recording. 101 Reasons Why Beaches is the Saddest Film Ever Made by your neighbour Maureen. Is it easy to use? If you can use a computer, you can nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Oh, thanks, my neighbour Maureen. Yeah, thank you.